Today's lesson is coming from the 52nd chapter that Isaiah, the 7th and the 10th verse, talking about salvation. We're talking about salvation. It says, How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him that publisheth or bringeth good tidings, that publisheth peace, that bringeth good tidings of good, that publisheth salvation. That saith unto Zion, Thy God reigneth. The Lord had made bare his arm in the eyes of all the nations, and all the ends of the earth shall see the salvation of our God. Here it is, and you remember I told you earlier when he said, Put on your festive or your garments of jubilation, the garments of praise, of garments of beautiful garments, in other words, your priestly robes. But with those garments on, as the high priest and the royal priesthood would do, it's also with those that we go about to proclaim the gospel. It talks about the beautifulness of the feet. It says, uh, how beautiful are the feet of those that uh, bringeth the gospel, or the good tidings. The good tidings or the good news is the gospel. And it's the walk. It's our Christian walk and and in our walk as we put on Christ we should be telling others about Christ glorifying him lifting up our light that's part of the great commission as being disciples of God of Jesus Christ whereby he came and told us to go into all of the world preaching the gospel making disciples Because that gospel not only frees mankind, it also warns mankind, and there's a condemnation in that gospel message for those that reject the gospel. So we must proclaim it. The gospel is preached as a witness, as a witness to others of what the Lord has said and they have heard. In other words, we're responsible for them hearing of the word of God. And we know not not all that hear it will have faith to act upon it because faith comes by grace. It is by grace that we're saved. The yes. salvation comes by God's grace, but it's through faith. And we know that faith comes by hearing the word of God. And so how can the people hear without a preacher? So that means we have to proclaim the word. There must be a proclamation of the word of God. And we send missionaries and people throughout the earth proclaiming God's word and telling all God's word. With that set with salvation, let's talk about a few things here. Let's talk about justification. Justification is a legal act on God's part to impute the righteousness of Jesus Christ to us once we have accepted his sacrifice on our behalf. He imputes his righteousness unto us, as I was saying yesterday, and he puts us in a state where we are justified before God. Now we are ready to be reconciled unto God. It's all a process. 
And in that process of regeneration, justification is one of the first steps in that process. One could say that justification puts us into alignment with God and with his laws. So the people, that's what I was saying, this chapter is more or less for the saved people, for a believer, for the end time church, those that have heard the year of Jubilee being preached or whatever, where there's a restoration of all things, everyone starts over with a clear slate. Now salvation, salvation, the conclusion of the process by which God conforms us to his image and brings us into his family is the process of salvation. That's salvation is a process and there's sanctification going on at that time. So that's why as we put on Christ, we continue in his word and his word works in us and as we assimilate God's word and become a doer of God's word, the delivering us from the power and the effects of sin by resurrection because of that outward burial of baptism, uh, the inward rebirth of the giving of the Spirit by adoption, whereby we have adopted us in his family. He's placed us in his family. He's given us the earnest of our inheritance with the Holy Spirit. Now we've been born again, born of the Spirit, born by the word of faith which we hear and which we proclaim. He gives us eternal life in his kingdom and we learn more about his kingdom and we go about proclaiming as he did for the message was repent, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So there's a message that's been echoing throughout time resonating more loudly with Jesus Christ when he effectively commissioned all of his people a priesthood, a raw priesthood that in fulfillment of the prophecies and that the gospel must be preached, that good news must be preached, then shall the end come. So we know we are living in end times and we go about he's sending his messengers before him preparing the the world for his second advent, for his second coming. We go forth as John the Baptist went forth, saying, prepare ye, get ready to meet him. The good news, I, I told you that proclaiming good tidings, the good news is the gospel of the kingdom of God. That's what Jesus came doing, preaching the gospel, the good news, that he had set the captives free, that he was about to finish a work, and he completed that on the cross, that released us from spiritual bondage and that we had been able to be transferred into the kingdom of God. So that good news in the book of Proverbs uh, says Proverbs 15 and 30 the light of the eyes rejoiceth the heart a good report maketh the bones fat. People hearing this gospel in that in which it connects to them, in which we bring just like a person coming from a far country. Uh, Proverbs twenty five twenty five says, 
as cold water to a thirsty soul, so is good news from a far country. In other words, as ambassadors of Jesus Christ, as ambassadors, we're making the announcement that we're no longer part of the world, but that we're pilgrims in this world. We've been changed in that we have a message from our coming king who's been crowned king of kings, the Lord of glory, who had redeemed us, reconciled us unto God, had set the record straight, had birthed us from above. Now we're no longer sitting here uh, in this state in which we were, but we stand before God uncondemned. We invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb, but there would will be those that try to enter in without having the proper covering, without being in the proper dress. As we uh, talked about the wedding supper yesterday with the king, and he came in and seen someone that didn't have a wedding garment on. So in this process of putting on Christ, which began all the way back in the book of Genesis, when God first initiated this development of family, the Spirit has been yet working, as Jesus said, My Father doeth yet work, the Spirit doeth yet work. And Genesis, the first chapter of Genesis in the 26th verse It says, then God said, let us, that is the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Not a physical likeness, a physical, but a semblance maybe, but a spiritual personality and moral likeness. That's why when we put on our strength, when we own our holy God, we help make man in the image of Jesus Christ. When he say, let us, we become part of the God family. It is part of us through his word to help strengthen and mold the body of Christ. As a royal priesthood, he had made us teachers. He's made us leaders. He had made us, he had given us a ministry of reconciliation. We all have that ministry. And that's why Paul tells Timothy to do the work of evangelists. We all should carry his word throughout the earth. It says, And let them have complete authority over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, the cattle, and over the entire earth, and over everything that creeps and crawls upon the earth. We see dominion being given unto us, and that's why he says, put on strength. We're to gather together that dominion God given us, and we're to help God eradicate the earth of the evil that's in the earth. We're to be lights in the world and the lights are to shine in very dark places. The, The lights of the world are to come forth and establish by faith, help establish the laws of God. And what it does, it sets the captives free. Those that dwell in darkness see a great light. Jesus Christ was a light unto the Gentiles. And he says, now that I be taken up, you're the lights of the world. We're to let that light so shine. So we can't sit on the gospel or hide the gospel. We must publish the gospel. We must proclaim the gospel. We must go about proclaiming the word of God. The actual creation of Adam and Eve and placing them in the Garden of Eden 
was not an end in itself where we see he gave Adam a job to tend the garden and dress it. So this was just a necessary step at the beginning of a process that continued up until this time because we know he told Adam that the day you eat of it, you shall surely die. So man wasn't given eternal life in the beginning. That was something that would end man's life. That was disobedience. Disobedience was in God's life, I mean man's life. So we see a process going about up on the earth that Jesus Christ came and he put a, 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 a finishing touch on that process because he had come to conquer death. Yes. And that which is he did, he conquered death and the grave. He took the sting out of death and he took the victory away from the grave. So now we have the victory. He's given us dominion. God is creating a community. It's a family. Elohim is a family, and we're part of the God family. Part of the what? The kingdom of God. From the very beginning, God implies the expansion of, of this community, maybe expanding out from the midst of the Garden of Eden. We see it in Abraham, in the changing of Abraham's name from Abram to Abraham. In other words, he's going to be the father of many nations. In the 52nd chapter, we read where he's going to sprinkle many nations. He's going to sprinkle all nations. So he's going to take a people. God's not willing that any shall perish, but that all men shall be saved. So there will be a representative of the part of each nation. All nations shall be saved. Now, I'm not saying all men. Uh, unless I'm seeing men in the generic form as of all creed, uh, uh, nations, uh, nationalities, Jew, Gentile, Greek, barbarian, Scythia, all men shall be saved, but not inclusive of every every soul, because there are those that are the father. Their father is the devil. Yes. There are those that are lost. There are those that the gospel will be hidden from. Paul said, "My gospel is hidden." And we have a gospel, and we know he talked to this very prophet Isaiah that as he preached the gospel, it was going to be some that couldn't hear. God wasn't going to give them spiritual ears to hear. He wasn't going to give them eyes to see. He said, unless they be converted in their sins, be blotted out. So when he says, let us, indicating that this was a community in existence, if God speaks, it shall come to pass. So as he says, let us make man in our image, that's the gift that God given unto the church. He gave men, he gave gifts unto the church, some apostles, prophets, helps, and various administrations to the church to present the church without a spot or blemish. That is in making man in God's image and his likeness. Man was made physically in God's image and he begins with characteristics of shape and form that was in common with his maker. Now the rest of the Bible fills in the details of how mankind is being brought from having not only form and shape in common with his maker, but also character. And that's what the essential is to character. Character is everything. 
we that that's the fruit of, the fruit of the spirit God's word obedience to God that's the that's what differentiates our spiritual entity our essence would all have the character that character of God that's one of the things that makes us of his children so that he fits perfectly into the community that the maker is expanding and we're shaped by the word of God. That's what we're sprinkled with. We're washed, we're cleansed by the word. The sprinkling of the washing of the word. Now when the son of God came, he came with a message from his father. It wasn't his message. The message was from the father. He was a sent one. He was the chief apostle. Apostle means one sent. Jesus was sent. The father sent Christ. Jesus gave as the title to the message that he brought the good news of the kingdom of God. Mark 1st chapter 14 through the 15th verse. Now this is the boss himself and this is the title he gave himself. Jesus was God in the flesh but he came as the son. The son was given. I said 97th chapter says that the son was given. He was the good news of the kingdom of God. He was that news. The gospel he brought in and he was the news. Is there any doubt in our mind about this community forming that the kingdom of God is forming right here on earth? As we pray each morning, thy will be done. Thy kingdom come. You know, and I was telling you last week that of the game shows Jeopardy or whatever the three contestants missed that question, Hallowed be thy name. They didn't know that's part of the Lord's Prayer, so we don't know how many people know the Lord's Prayer, even know. They know a whole lot, and they, they win Jeopardy and all kinds of secular things, but of what God says, He says, Pray our Father, yes. which art in heaven. So they don't, they don't know the, the, that, so that's. That's why I say everybody can't pray that prayer. Everybody don't pray that prayer because God is not everyone's father. They have other things in their mind and other objectives. Is there any doubt that Jesus Christ will rule this community first and that afterward he would turn everything over to the father because it was the father that sent him to accomplish a job. And you can't be greater than the one that had sent you. None is greater than the Father, even though him and the Father are one. You've seen him, you've seen the Father. I'll read all of this, maybe, and let me see which version we'll read here. Maybe the Amplified Version. Everybody has a King James. I put the Amplified Version and the Living Version here, and you can read come back and read the living version I won't take the time to read the amplified version but it's in your notes it says after that comes the completion the end when he hands over the kingdom to God the father after he has made inoperative and abolished every ruler and every authority and power for Christ must reign as king until he's put all his enemies under his feet the last enemy to be abolished and put to an end is death and we see in revelations at the great judgment throne where death and hell was cast into the lake of fire death and hell 
was cast into the lake of fire. For he and the Father, for he, the Father, has put all things in subjection under Christ's feet. We know the Father had placed all things in subjection under him. The Father had given him all power. But now when he says all things have put in subjection under Christ, it is clear that he, that is the Father, who put all things in subjection to Christ, is accepted since the Father is not in subjection to his own Son. However, when all things are subjected to Christ, then the Son himself will also be subjected to the one, that is, to the Father. He wants to go back to the Father where they were one. Him and the Father and the Holy Spirit were one. He will be subjected to the Father who put all things under him, so that God may be all in all, manifesting his glory without any opposition, the supreme indwelling and controlling factor of life. Now, as I said, I I wrote and I copied the living version in there, and it reads close to that, but you may get a little bit more out of it through the living. The important thing for us is what ramifications the good news of the kingdom has on the way we live our lives. And, you know, we don't listen at the news. A lot of times when you listen at the news, good news, it's something that's important to you, to essential to you, that you can capitalize on, that may bless you or profit you or whatever. And you love to hear good news. Now, what's good news to some may be bad news to others. But to the children of God, and that's why I say if we're lost, if we're not from here, and we've been struggling around in the dark or whatever, once we start hearing the voice of God, that's why we have to cleanse our lives and purify our lives because he that handles the word of God must have clean hands. We must have purified ourselves as he's pure. But when they hear God's voice, when they says. My sheep will hear my voice. See, because that's why a lot of people struggle in between churches or struggle outside of churches or whatever because when the effectual call comes, God's going to call his people. That's why you, you never lose the opportunity to witness, to preach the word, or, uh, hand out a track or talk the word of God to everybody because we don't know who God had chosen or who God had called. But it is effectual and it, it, it's going to have a, 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 a regenerating effect into the hearts of the hearer. That's why we don't tingle with God's word. We present it as God giving it to us. If we're the messenger, we have to repeat the message as given. Yes. We have to proclaim the message as given and not tinker with the message. And it's going to fall on the hearts of the hearer. And they go, if God's going to stir up that faith, faith coming by hearing the word of God. So God does it all. But it has to be a catalyst. And your voice, your speech is the catalyst to drive that word of God home to. And that consciousness is going to be awakened. It says awake, awake. And that's when they start seeking after God. That's when they pursue God because None of his people will be lost. He says, none shall be lost. Now the first Christ, first 
Christ was the Son of God. And that indicates a family relationship by being the Son. That's a family. Son is used two different ways here in the Bible. One means a direct descendant of the son of this person, the son of David, or the son or whatever. So sometimes son is used as a direct descendant of. But the other is used in the sense of characteristics of, but not necessarily a direct descendant of another. You remember Paul said that Timothy was his son in the faith. He said Timothy was his son in the faith. The Bible says plainly that Jesus was the son of God by a direct relationship, but we're sons by faith. We're sons that we're born again and we adopt and we adapt and we conform. We bring forth those characteristics are shaped and made in us. We're sons by adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father. Now we can pray our Father. Now God is our Father because the characteristics, and that's what he says, put on thine garment, the beautiful garments. We're putting on Christ. We're being made in his image and his likeness. Now since he was of the same family, when talking about his, we're joint heirs with him, but that Jesus was the only begotten of the Father. So we can't be begotten of God. Only deity can beget deity. The son was always there. The son wasn't just born in that manger at Bethlehem. That's when he was robed in human flesh. But the son always existed. The son was always here. So I I don't think it's proper to be saying that December 25th was his birthday. He was given. That's that's the time when he came down here in the earth. He was incarnate. We don't even know what date that was. The Bible doesn't tell us when he was incarnate here on earth. Yes. But we know he was the messenger in the covenant of the covenant in the Old Testament. We know that he was in the fire with Hebrew boys. Yes. Nebuchadnezzar says, one looks like the son of God. Yes. Now, he was not only a literal son born of Mary of the Holy Spirit, but he also showed the characteristics of God. And he was God. Is Christ indicating a family relationship with us? Listen at that. Mark the 33rd chapter, Mark 34 through the 35th verse says, And he looked around about on them which said about him, and said, Behold, my mother and my brethren for whosoever shall do the will of God, the same as my brother and my sister and my mother. So they came to get him. His, his natural parents came to get him. We don't know where Joseph was. He may have died by that time or whatever. We know he was an elderly man. But he says, your mother and brothers and sisters are out here. And they had come to get him. They thought he was going crazy in there or whatever. Because he had given up all the Father Christ. I mean, to follow God, to do the work of God. That means we have to cut ties, too. We have to several ties to the world and the things of the world. They'll be drawn back to us if they are part of that God's plan. They'll be drawn back to us. Uh, the Amplified Version says, looking at those who were sitting in a circle around him, he said, here are my mother and my brothers, for whosoever does the will of God, 
by believing in me and following me, he is my brother, my sister, and my mother. And I, I told you, we have already seen that the community that, that he is creating is a kingdom. Yes. And he told Pilate that my kingdom is not of this world. But we know that we were in the world. He left us in the world. We part of the kingdom. He says, I leave them in the world, but keep them from the evil that's in the world. And we know, according to Revelations 18 and 4, he says, come out from among them and be ye separate. Yes. So ungeographically, we're in a geographical world, but we separate. We're born again. We're ambassadors of Christ. We're pilgrims. We're priests that are ruling and reigning with him. Yes. Now this kingdom of the family of God, and I tell you, there'll be according to the Davidic covenant there will be a human line of people ruling and reigning in the millennial reign of Christ which he's going to vanquish all false religion and all of these things everybody coming up to the house of God to worship there'll be nobody exempt from coming to the house of God all people will flow unto the house of God and those that don't flow to the house of God they won't receive rain on their crops. They won't receive blessings from God. These are the ones that will receive according to their deeds. But it will be a great time during that millennial reign when all knowledge comes from God. That's when nature will be reversed. All of creation is waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God. That's why we have the weather patterns in the earth acted as it is right now and what's going on all of creation is seeing the manifestation of the sons of God now everybody is related all being sons of the creator all of us being sons of God except those that he's removing he says spread not thyself for evil doeth for they shall soon be cut off so they are those that he's removing from out of earth, removing from around those, from, from around and out of the kingdom. So we all are having those same characteristics formed and made in us. And do not the descendants of parents look like their parents? We should. But we're not talking about a physical resemblance. In other words, the DNA matches, but we don't carry the same outward similarities, if you're understanding what I mean. We're all human. You may be black, white, uh, Chinese, Hispanic, or whatever nationality or creed or nation you are, but it's one family, the family of God, the kingdom of God. That's why I say there's no male or female in Christ Jesus. We're all sons and daughters of God. We're all children of God. There's no grandparents because there's no marrying or giving in marriage. That sets a little bit of a difference there, but we need to go deeper at some point in time to understand thus that. But thus, if we have the Spirit of God, we're all part of the family of God. And if you don't have the Spirit of God, you're none of His. If you don't have the Spirit of God, you're none of His. We are Jesus' brothers and sisters and mothers according to Matthew 12, 50. 
and we have the same Father. God is our Father, and that's why I say everybody can't pray that our Father prayer in honesty because God is not everyone's Father. There are those that are children of the devil. Now this gospel, this good news should be preached throughout the world coming up to this end time and we can see the scope of it winding down from being a recovery mission to being a mission for the perfecting of the saints. We go on, as Paul said in the book of Hebrews, of the right of Hebrews. Let me, a lot of people attribute it to Paul, but let me say the right of Hebrews is, let us go on to perfection, leaving behind the doctrines of baptism, of laying on of hands, but this we will do if we have time. In other words, those things have come in the studying, and we get together in different groups and we study, and they, but there are those of us that have to grow further, deeper into the Word of God. There's a lot of things that's, that we're not hearing in the Word of God, and a lot of churches, people in churches for years and years, but there are not a lot of teachings because we hadn't been consecrated or concentrated into studying the Word of God and learning that we live by every word that proceeded out of the mouth of God. But the world of the secular world has to be excluded, but not all knowledge and wisdom, because all knowledge and wisdom come from God anyhow except the earthly wisdom, which is sensual and devilish. In other words, scammers, people that scamming people and learning how to do computer hacks and all of these things. Well, those things are not of God. But there are people that have computer skills and all wisdom. Those with those characteristics and those talents and abilities are the children of God, which is a difference. You won't have to worry about those things in the world to come and in, the, in God's kingdom. Matthew 24 and 3 says, And he set up on the Mount of Olives. The disciples came unto him privately, saying, Tell us when shall these things be, and what shall be the sign of thine coming and of the end of the world? Now Jesus did give a response to that, because he had told them not a stone would be left upon a stone in what was going to happen at the temple. But they asked a question, and he concentrated in almost entirely on the second portion of that question, the signs of his coming and of the end time. They said, what will be the sign of the coming and of the end? And the question of when is answered mostly in the aggregate form. It says, the closest he comes to the answer when appear, when appears in verse 14. This is we would have to gather this in verse 14. It says, The end will come when the gospel has been preached in all the world as a witness to all nations. The gospel will have been preached as a witness to all nations. Only he knows when this goal is reached. And a lot of people saying, well, it's been preached and it's almost completed. Only the Father knows that. Only God knows that. When they were asking Jesus about end times, he says he didn't know. From what he said, from the words he said, it seemed like he didn't know. He says, only my father knows. So it seemed as though as a human or as a man, 
he was limited in that that was only a, a knowledge that God possessed even though him and God was one Second Corinthians 4 and 3 says but if our gospel is here to hear to those that are lost and that's what I told you earlier some of them the gospel is hid from the God of this world has blinded their minds that the, the, the gospel and the God of this world have blinded the true gospel so there are false preachers and false teachers out there preaching another gospel because they can't comprehend or they don't understand this gospel they don't know it that's why he says blind Pharisees leaders of the blind and if the blind lead the blind they shall all fall in the ditch he says now listen at what the Pharisees say but don't do as they do for their doctrine contains leaven and so it's doctrinal errors that we're looking at in this day and time it's the doctrine that separates doctrine divides it's sound teaching and sound instruction and teaching of the word presents correct doctrine but when we twist and not in contact with God and are led by selfish ambition pride and other motivations and private interpretations we get off the beaten path Uh, Paul claimed the gospel as his and that's what happens when a person preached the word of God with authority and power it was as Apollos was preaching the gospel with authority and power but yet still he hadn't been born again he hadn't been born of the spirit so that's why I say we all proclaim the gospel in the word of God even if we're not born again so that, that's what makes it very dangerous there's a lot of people preaching the word of God but they themselves are lost but God has to put effect in our lives. As Simon, he wanted the power to change lives and to give people of the Holy Spirit. He even tried to buy that. But that's something the Spirit saved such as should be saved. And only the Spirit know to whom those he had, the Father had given unto Jesus. And none of those will be lost. When he says none shall be lost. As I tell you, assimilate the word of God. Let it become you and part of you as John, the first first chapter of John says, the word was God, the word was with God, and the word became God, all of this. We have to do the same thing. We have to assimilate the word. We have to become the word. The word has to be our lives, and that's why it says how beautiful are the feet of those that bring the gospel because In other words, our life living, we bring, we have to go out of our way sometimes. We have to do things to bring the word of God to others. To bring that refreshing and that good news to others. And it has to be what we live for. It has to be our motivating factor. That's why Paul said the gospel was his because the gospel was his very life. The gospel has to become our very life because it's our belief system. We have nowhere else to go. Peter said, where will I go because you have the truth? Well, we know that the gospel is the truth, so there's nothing left for me. There's nothing else left for me. I'm hid in the Word. I have to be in the Word of God. I have to be synonymous with that Word. There was a clear transference 
into scripture from the message of Christ to the original 12 and then took Paul and you could read about it in Galatians 1.16 when Christ transferred to them. But you remember in the book of John, the 17th chapter, it says, blessed them and he was praying for his disciples and he said, I pray not for the world. Bless them that hear these words and bless them through their words. Through whose word? Through the apostles' word. And it was passed on orally. It was passed on through preaching that the people would assimilate that word and it would be contagious. It would be just like uh, the COVID virus or whatever. You can catch this. In other words, through faith, through the hearing of the word. Faith come by the hearing of the word. So we have to proclaim the word. How can they hear? We, they have to have a preacher. So we have to preach the word. That word has to come. Paul then could proclaim it as his own because it was now in him. And that's what the word has to be in us. It has to be, we have to, like people say, if they're an LSU diehard fan, they say they bleed purple and gold. Well, I have to bleed the Word of God. I have to bleed Scripture. I have to bleed the Spirit of God. You'll lay down your life for God then. When you even deny yourself, that's the sacrifice. You don't even seek to please yourself. You seek to please the Lord. That becomes your gospel. When he prevailed, people were truly converted to the faith. In other places, people like John say basically the same thing. First John 1, 1 through 5, that's the epistle of John, not the gospel of John. He opens his epistle by saying, this is the message we have heard from him and we declare it unto you. Yes. Now he was speaking either in a royal way, uh, including the other apostles as having preaching the same message. So it was an inclusive as of him and what the apostles was preaching that they heard from Jesus. And that's why when I said that Paul may have written Hebrews, but it was, I think, the third chapter of Hebrews, the reason I say when it says that we through... Oh, let me see where I'm at. He it's in the book of Hebrews, the second chapter. Hebrews, the second chapter says, Therefore we ought to give the most earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. For if, we, if the word spoken by angels was steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received the just recompense of reward, how shall we escape if we neglect so great of salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed unto us by them that heard the word? So it does, the third part of seeing that, it says that were confirmed to us by them that heard him. That in other words, the apostles that had heard Jesus had declared this message to the Hebrews that had heard this message. And let me see how it states that. Now, in the Amplified Version, that same verse translates, 
for if the message given through angels, that is the law spoken to them to Moses was authentic and proved sure and every violation and disobedience received an appropriate, just and adequate penalty, how shall we escape appropriate retribution if we neglect and refuse to pay attention to such a great salvation as is now offered to us, letting it drift past us forever. For it was declared at first by the Lord himself, and it was confirmed to us and proven to be real and genuine by those who personally heard him speak. So those that personally heard him speak was the apostles and also Paul, because Paul said in the book of Galatians, I think it was, Galatians, the first chapter in the 16th verse about the Lord leading him out into the uh, uh, what is the Arabian desert and taught him personally and spoke to him personally. And that was one of the things of becoming apostles that you had to see the risen Lord. And he appeared unto Paul, which verified Paul's apostleship by him appearing to him and he taught Paul some things personally. So that's why I say it could have been Paul writing it, but Paul wouldn't wasn't one that heard the gospel from somebody else. Paul heard, heard it personally from Christ. So his gospel, was. that's why when he says my gospel, it wasn't from another apostle. It wasn't from James because it was some 13 years before Paul went up to Jerusalem and had this conference with the apostles. That third, the second verse in the living says, the message God delivered through angels has always proven true and the people were punished for every violation of the law and every act of disobedience. So just as the law of God that was given through Moses was established and you were punished for not doing as Moses said according to that law that he had written on the tables of stone in the statutes. The third verse says what make us think that we what makes us think that we can escape if we are indifferent to this great salvation that was announced by the Lord Jesus himself. It was passed on to us by those who heard him speak. Well, it wasn't passed on to Paul through anybody else. So that person that's writing that said this had been passed on to them by someone who had heard Jesus speak. So they had heard they had heard this from the apostles. They had heard this from official people. But Paul wasn't like that though. Paul heard it from Jesus himself. That's why he acclimated the gospel and said, my gospel. He was able to take that because he seen the risen Lord himself. Now they elected Matthias and somebody else and they, they, they cast lots for them to be the third. But Paul was that 13th apostle. And it was Paul that knew Jesus and had seen the resurrection, resurrected Christ, and he had appeared to him on the the, the light on the Damascus road and said, "Lord, who art thou?" Yes, Lord. And then when he rose up and went to Damascus and he and he heard all these things, Paul had a gospel that he didn't get from somebody else. Now, so this rite of Hebrews that's saying this makes me think it was somebody else who was writing this letter of the Hebrews. Maybe Apollos. Apollos could have wrote, written that he was very 
fluent. He was very intelligent. And to get it in the, the canons, they had put Paul as the writer of that. Well, because only, you know, the apostles had the ability to write scripture. That's why when people call themselves apostles nowadays, well, if he was an apostle, that means you can write scripture. You would write the, be able to write the inspired word of God. That's why when the apostles died, mm-hmm. you had the canon of scriptures was closed. There are two or three other letters that they say Paul wrote that they couldn't find, but those letters must have not came up to scripture or muster or whatever. And when you have the gospel of Thomas, the gospel of Judas, and the, the apocrypha in which the Catholic Church has... None of those goes into the canon of Scripture. Those aren't included in all Bibles. So we're talking about salvation that Jesus Christ preached, that Paul preached, that the apostles preached. And I was telling you earlier about the ministry of reconciliation, and we'll end with this, I guess. I've taken up a little bit of time on that rabbit trail. The ministry of reconciliation, 2 Corinthians, the 5th chapter, 18th through the 19th verse. And all things are of God who had reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and had given to us the ministry of reconciliation to wit that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself not imputing their trespasses unto them and had committed unto us the word of reconciliation and maybe I should have... read the Amplified to you of the living because you already have the other one. The living says all these new things are from God who brought us back to himself through what Christ Jesus did. God reconciled us back into his body by what Christ Jesus we were reconciled unto God. That's the good news that we have been placed back in God through Christ Jesus through what he did his finished work. And God has given us the privilege of urging everyone to come into his favor and to be reconciled to him. That's why the people we meet and everything, since our burdens has been laid down and we've cast all our cares in that jubilation and in the gobs of holiness, people should see that light. It should see the hope that is in us, see the wisdom that's developing. All of the characteristic attributes, our love for one another, and that's what I say, the Christianity, the Christian nationalism and all of that uh-huh. that's manifesting in itself in the United States today is a falsehood. There are so many hypocritical Christians that we have a problem. There's, and it's going to come to a head within the next few years. That's why I say, I'm looking for something big to happen soon. Coming with this next election, probably this next presidential election. But it says, for God was in Christ restoring the world to himself, no longer counting men's sins against them, but blotting them out. This is the wonderful message that we go out and tell. This is the good news that our sins have been forgiven in Christ Jesus. But the message is being garbled because some people are not preaching the full counsel of God. They're not preaching all of it. And that's very manifest in a lot of the mega churches, and it's manifest more so in the United States of America. There's more so another Jesus, another gospel being preached in this nation. 
that's where the gospel of prosperity, that's where we're losing our families, that's where we're losing our children at. There are so many people in the churches today, that's the war that we're in. It's spiritual warfare within the churches. That's why Christ said he was going to fight against the church. Part of the responsibility of the church of God in preaching the gospel around the world is to inform mankind how that they can be reconciled to God. That's what we need to be teaching and showing mankind. But there are a whole lot of other components that go along with that. In many cases, people do not even know that they are separated from God because of the gospel that's being preached. The Laodicean church, the people of Laodicean, was poor, wretched, and naked. Even though it was a wealthy church, God wasn't inside the church. He was on the outside knocking at the door of the church. They thought they had need of nothing, but they didn't have Christ. So there are a lot of people have a form of religion, but deny the power of God working. The anointing is not working in the church. So that's why when you when people be talking about these different churches and they go to this church and I get back from a whole lot of people because just because there's a lot of people in the church and you're preaching of Jesus and preaching all this doesn't mean that you saved and that salvation you have salvation in hand. That's why the, the nation is so messed up. We're we're one of the worst nations it is. This is Babylon, if any nation. However, all have been separated from him and all need to be reconciled to God through the redemption offered in Christ's payment for sin. To do this, we must also proclaim what sin is, and many are equally ignorant of what constitutes sin. There are so many people right now, if you're sitting in church and you're not lawfully married to someone, y'all boyfriend and girlfriend are staying with one another. That's why I could have, none of my children have ever done that. They couldn't sleep with a man or a woman or anything in my house without being married. You would have to be married to share the same bed. Well, we engage or we, no, no, that doesn't count. You can't consummate the marriage before the marriage. We can't go along with it. A lot of that we promote. Do you have the appearance of Christ? Have you put on these garments? Do you look like? So you have to put a difference in what is holy and what is not holy. Between the holy and by preaching and teaching and the ministry of reconciliation enables us of uh, them to judge their need for reconciliation through Christ, their spiritual state. That's why we say, let a man examine himself to see whether he be in the faith. Preaching the gospel is not just about the kingdom of God, but includes many different attendant features that flesh out the understanding necessary for establishing communion with God because it has to be repentance. It has to be a changed life. When John was preaching, he says, Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. Bring forth fruits, meat for repentance. In other words, an outside life, let me see have your life changed. I 
fruit is something that you can see. Your life has to bear fruit. And when you put on Christ, as Sarah had the ornament of meekness and quietness, a quiet spirit. But nowadays, uh, that was one of the reasons that the Southern Baptist Association kicked Rick Warren out of the Southern Baptist Association because he had ordained women pastors and leaders in the church. Well, the scripture speaks definitely against women leadership and pastorates and things. They can't pastor and, and lead a church. And so they took him out. But the, as they were saying, the hypocrisy of that was that they had so many sexual abuse and sexual scandals in the Southern Baptist Association churches that they had over a half million people leave that association last year alone. The Methodist churches are splendoring and coming apart and disaffiliating with each other now because of ordaining women priests and women leaders. That's what's happening with the Catholic Church also. So sooner or later, as the gospel is being preached, the word of God divides. Jesus said, don't think I come to bring peace. I've come to bring a sword. But we have to preach the gospel and all at the same time keep in mind the scriptures because what does the 52nd chapter in the 7th verse says? How beautiful upon the mountain are the feet of them of him that bringeth good tidings that publisheth peace. Peace has to be published, it says, that bringeth peace. How beautiful are the ones who uh, bring good news, the, that's the Amplified says, uh, who brings good news of good things, who announces salvation, uh, who announces peace. But peace can't be your own uh, definition of peace. It says pursue peace as much as possible with all men. But peace doesn't mean tolerance of compromise for the sake of getting along that we compromise the gospel of the tenets of the faith, what the precepts of what the word of God is saying. See, because that was one of the reasons he punished Abraham and Isaac. It says because you've listened unto your wife. Yes. We can't cast some things out. We to make peace, though we have to have the elders. We have to have had this thing established the word of God, and that God's going to be the God in the midst, and He will act. And if He don't act, as the Hebrew boy says, we not go bend and we not go bow, or we have to go into the fire. Yeah. Heavenly Fathers, we come before you.